Welcome to the sermon podcast from North Decatur United Methodist Church, where all are welcomed and included, connected with God and with one another, and sent out in service and invitation to the world. Each week we bring you the most recent sermon from me, Patrick Fallhaber, or from guest preachers. Thank you for listening and subscribing. I love this story so much. Um, y'all, I don't know if y'all are getting tired of the Exodus story, but I just, I love it. I think part of the reason I love it so much is because we're actually taking so much time in our, our Tuesday mid-afternoon uh, Bible study. We're reading through the book of Acts, and so much of uh, the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts is about the same sort of story, a journey from uh, one way of being, one kingdom, one experience of life into a completely different one in a new kingdom with uh, God reigning over all things, providing justice and mercy and compassion for all people and a place of abundance for all people uh, that's unfolding. And we find ourselves in the wilderness. And today's passage is especially interesting because it's really um, the, the last time, at least, that we're going to see the, the Hebrew people really challenge the leadership and expertise of Moses about finding food and water. And it's really kind of beautiful um, and really kind of interesting because of how um, really human it is, right? So, so far in the book of Exodus, to catch everyone up who may not have been with us for the past couple of weeks, uh, the people of Israel found themselves as slaves in Egypt, mostly because they were intimidating to uh, the rulers of Egypt at the time. They've been enslaved for generations and they've been crying out to God to be released from slavery, to have freedom. And so uh, God works through Moses, who's this really fallible human character that's really easy to identify with. Um, he brings Moses out into the wilderness and then sends him back to bring freedom to the people of Israel. And uh, there's this big argument between Moses and the Pharaoh, and really between God and the Pharaoh, and really between God, the God, I am, and the gods of, of Egypt. And, you know, the God ends up winning that dispute, and the people of Israel are granted their freedom. So they've gotten everything that they wanted, everything that they had hoped for. So now everything that they see in the desert, uh, in the wilderness, is just compounding the fact that freedom wasn't actually everything that they thought it would be, right? Which sort of speaks to the difference between Moses as a character and the crowd as a character. Uh, the, the crowd, the Israelites, had an expectation of freedom, and when they were granted it, they see how painful and how hard that freedom really is to carry. And Moses has to continually remind them of the greater vision that exists in front of them, the greater vision that exists for all of them, but they don't see it yet. And so when I read this passage, the first question that I really had uh, in reading the 17th chapter was like, wasn't Moses thirsty too? <laughs> right? Like the, the statistics around uh, dehydration and the amount of water that you need to be able to survive in any environment, in a normal temperate environment, is that it takes about a hundred hours uh, for you to become so thirsty that you that you die. Now, the Israelites were not in normal circumstances. In fact, they were in really extraordinary circumstances, right? They had um, tra been traveling, walking, carrying their things, carrying um, the, the older folks and children along the way and making sure that everyone could make it through this 
really vast and barren uh, wilderness, which is a really painful and hard experience. But they've been faithfully traveling, which means that they've been exerting a lot of energy. And so from what I've read, uh, if you're exerting that much energy through a desert landscape in a large crowd the way that the people of Israel were, you would likely run out of the water that you need to survive in less than 48 hours, right? That's less than half of what the normal 100-hour rule would say. But because of the uh, physical exertion that they were that they were putting out and the heat of the desert, you know, they would be very close now to, to death, which means Moses also would have been very close to death, walking in the wilderness, walking in the desert. Moses must have been incredibly thirsty. But the difference between Moses and Israel here is that Moses doesn't really talk about water at all. He talks about, um, well, he talks about human dynamics and faithfulness, right? The people of Israel yell at Moses and say, you know, you just brought us here to die. We don't have any water. We're going to die and it's all your fault. And uh, Moses first pivots and says, why are you arguing me and why are you arguing with God, right? So Moses steps out of center stage and puts the locus of the power and the direction and the vision in God's hands and reminds the people that this really is a dispute. It's a, um, the, the people of Israel, their complaint isn't so much against Moses, but it's against God. And what we've seen, especially last week and the week before, is that God hears those cries when they're made to God. And a lot of times, uh, rather than offering prayers up to God, we just yell at each other. And I think what's really being illustrated here is that that is a normal thing that happened, you know, three, four thousand years ago as much as it does now. Rather than lifting our concerns to God and letting God take hold of them, we yell at the people who are in charge, or we get frustrated with our friends and our family, or we get irritated at the people who are, are in our sphere and uh, we just end up being frustrated rather than actually turning those things over to God and trusting that God can, can handle both our concern and our, our need. So Moses does that on behalf of the community. He takes those concerns and he sort of bottles them up and says, God, these people are about to stone me um, because they're so thirsty. And what I think is really beautiful is that God doesn't just make water rain down, right? It's not another manna story where things just miraculously show up. Moses, or God tells Moses to go in front of this crowd that Moses thinks is going to stone him and then have them bring their leaders to him so that Moses can lead those leaders further out into the wilderness to witness a miracle, right? Like, th this is the way God works, right? God doesn't just, like, fix everything with a snap of a finger. God invites us into the process of fixing things. And what's so beautiful is Moses, Moses goes from this experience in the wilderness with people about to stone him. He finds these leaders from the 12 tribes of Israel. He walks deeper into the wilderness and he takes the rod that God has gifted him and he hits a stone which is so cool 
Right, because the people were going to stone Moses. But Moses goes out after God gave him the direction to do so with a staff that once had been used to bring essentially destruction to the empire of Egypt, to, to Egypt. And he uses it to hit a stone where water comes out. An instrument once designated for destruction, the stone and the staff, is now bringing life. It's been given a new purpose because of the vision that God has for the community of faith, for the people who are walking in the wilderness. And um, if that is, doesn't excite you, I don't know what does. God can, God can, can, can use the implements that we have designated as being implements of, 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 of our greatest frustrations and, uh, and violence. He can, God can, can pound them, God's own self, into the farming implements that the prophets talk about later, right? Like, we can pound our own swords into plowshares because God, God's self, has done that in history. God took a stone and made it a stream. God took the staff that brought destruction and turned it into an implement of, of, of miraculous life, life-giving rather than life-taking power. And that is just so, so beautiful to me. And so, again, I, I want to turn now back to uh, Moses's relationship with the people of Israel, right? So Moses, again, uh, he witnesses the people's frustration, and then he brings those frustrations to uh, the people of God. He talks to God about the instability of the group, because Moses, as it turns out, is more interested in the group dynamics than he is in his need for water. And I think it's important for us to ask the question, why? Why would it be the case that Moses would be more frustrated, more focused, more interested in the well-being of the group? Well, I think it's because Moses is a servant to a greater vision. Moses is a servant of God's kingdom that's unfolding in this retelling of the story. Moses is a servant to this vision of a new land of abundance, and he can see so clearly that God is leading them there that he doesn't worry about the small stuff. He knows they will be worked out. He knows that God is faithful. He knows that God is working on their side and bringing them to this place of abundance. But the people haven't yet learned it. The Israelites were servants, and rightfully so, to their next physical need. They needed first to escape slavery. They escaped slavery. They needed next to, to find water, and water was, was brought forth for them in the first days of being in the wilderness. Then they started getting hungry. They had run through all their provisions. They, they, so God provided food, quail in the evening and manna in the morning. And then today, again, the scripture tells us they need water. The, the people are learning how to see a larger vision. So far, they are not there. 
they see their next need, they see the next step, they see the next thing that's on the horizon that will bring harm to them, and they cry out often against Moses and sometimes against God uh, because of that next fundamental need. And what we see in the wilderness, these next 40 years that the people of Israel will, will, will journey through together, is they will be slowly, slowly transformed into a new mindset. It's a mindful shift from how can I serve myself? How can God serve me? How can God get me my, the next thing that I need towards service of a greater community and a larger vision that God has in store? That shift does not happen overnight. It didn't for the Israelites, and it certainly doesn't for us in the 21st century. Many of us are stuck thinking about the next best thing we can do, and that is okay. In fact, I think it's problematic that so many of us want to identify so strongly with Moses or with Peter or with Jesus. We're not that great. We, most of us, would be part of a crowd. That's how crowds work. Most people are a part of a crowd. Most of us in this particular situation where the Israelites are stuck in a desert landscape would be focused on the next thing, their next physical need. And we're in that same place too. We're worried about our next physical need. What will we do about school? What will we do about getting our next paycheck? What will we do about finding stability in our, in our, in our place of employment in our lives? Where will we get our next meal? Is it safe to eat our next meal in this place or should we go somewhere else? And we're all asking these questions, the next step questions, which is a really important thing for us to learn. And as a part of that comes this idea of transformation in our faith that even while we're taking one step at a time, God has been faithful through all of those things, leading us towards a, a kingdom, a place, a, a, an experience of abundance that's bigger than all of those individual needs. And so for us as a people, we have Jesus leading the way, much like Moses did, guiding us towards the kingdom of God, guiding us towards something better, guiding us towards something bigger, guiding us towards something so expansive that we don't even really have the imagination to, to understand it. God is guiding us in this way. And we, because we are trying to be faithful, are taking one step at a time towards that vision. And sometimes that means yelling at God. Sometimes that means yelling at Jesus. Sometimes that means yelling at the pastor. Sometimes that means yelling at uh, the, the mayor or the governor or the president or whatever the case may be. But I am confident that God is leading us, Jesus is leading us towards a place of so much abundance, an experience of so much abundance, that those needs that we worry about right now will just be met. Because they are being met by our community of faith. And some of y'all have testimony to speak exactly to that, that when you thought everything was running out, the people, the kingdom of God, the, the community of faith showed up in ways that surprised and shocked and inspired. And that, that's, that's the work of God. That's an experience of the kingdom. And the more experiences like that we have, and the better we get at telling those stories, the more we will begin to trust that God is leading uh, the way.
And uh, yes, Laura, it is a spiritual practice to yell. It certainly, certainly is. Um, anyway, that is that really is the the hope of of the kingdom for for each and every one of us. And I am just so 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 grateful to be journeying with you towards this beloved community. Even when we get it wrong sometimes, I trust that Christ is still leading the way, guiding us into a new place. And I am so grateful um, both for that gift and for your uh, company along the way. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon from North Decatur United Methodist Church. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at ndumc.org.